This is Move to Live More, a podcast series profiling thought leaders in healthcare, health and fitness, and communities. We explore the connection between physical activity and mental and physical health. We address solutions for chronic disease, obesity, and physical inactivity through cross-sector collaboration and innovation. Welcome, I'm Dr. Amy Bantham, the CEO and founder of Move to Live More, with a mission to help people live healthier, longer, more active lives. This episode is brought to you by Move to Live More, a research and consulting firm integrating healthcare, health and fitness, and communities to address chronic disease and physical inactivity. I'm here today with Rob Bisegli, the CEO of Action for Healthy Kids. Rob, welcome. Thanks so much, Amy. It's great to be with you. So glad to have you on the show today. I'd love to hear a little bit about your inspiration for advocating for healthy kids and helping kids thrive in schools. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on the show. I've I've worked my whole career in the nonprofit sector. I have worked on issues ranging from electoral assistance to maternal and child health issues and various uh, issues in between. At my core, I'm a human rights advocate. Uh, And for years at the beginning of my career, I worked uh, in the international development realm. Uh, I ran projects for the US Agency for International Development. And I will tell you that was one heck of an experience. And when I run into young people who are thinking about the nonprofit sector, I oftentimes recommend that they consider it uh, because I got to do things and see things and meet incredible people all over the world that I had never dreamt of. Uh, so it was it was really a wonderful experience. And when it was time for my wife and I to think about uh, having kids, uh, we decided to move back to Chicagoland, where we're uh, where we're both from. Uh, And I began working for an organization called the Infant Welfare Society of Chicago. And if you've never heard of it, it's a Chicago institution that's over a hundred years old uh, and it ignited a passion in me uh, around issues specifically in that organization for maternal and child health uh, and specifically around kids issues and health issues because I got to go to work every single day and think about and work on and fight for the rights of kids when it comes to health. And I think that health is a right for children. And then uh, when it was really solidified for me uh, is when I became a father. I have three kids, uh, two girls and a boy. Uh, And when I became a father, uh, I think this is an obvious statement, nothing became more important for me. Uh, And it dawned on me as I saw my kids getting older. Uh, they were young when I joined Action for Healthy Kids. I've been with the organization for 15 years now. Uh, but uh, when they started to grow up a little bit and started to go to grammar school or elementary school, and I saw the challenges that they were facing and the challenges that their friends and other people and family in my community were facing. And I live in a nice little suburb of Chicago. Uh, uh, it really hit me hard and it, uh, it solidified that this is my passion and this world of child health is really very, very important to me. I appreciate your discussion of health as, as a human right. 
And you've also talked about really raising your voice and amplifying the voices of others, because I think that we've seen from the pandemic that the voices of kids and families advocating for kids were often ignored or muted. And so there really needs to, how can we bring together a groundswell of advocates for kids' health, especially now? Yeah, this is such an important topic. I'll tell you, my view on the pandemic is there were both some really big challenges in the, around this particular issue that you're talking about and some benefits that we actually saw. So some of the challenges in underserved communities are staggering and have been for the entire 15 years I've worked at Action for Healthy Kids and throughout my whole 30-year nonprofit career. I've only worked in the nonprofit realm. And they're exactly what you would think. Uh families who have all kinds of challenges uh, relating to how uh, how they support their kids' health, how much they should engage in schools, what is appropriate and not appropriate. Are they being invited by their schools to get involved and to become advocates in the school system? All kinds of, of issues there. But I will say that during the pandemic, an interesting, interesting dynamic arose, which is we were forced in our education system to engage kids and their families because of the remote learning environment. And it, it, it produced some interesting effects in the educational sector that uh, I don't know that we're taking advantage of just yet, but I think there are some big opportunities out there because we realize that, wait a second, we, we could do a better job of engaging families in this. Parents were getting involved with their kids at home as they were learning at home. And now I feel like we really need to seize this opportunity as hopefully the pandemic is coming to an end sometime soon uh, that we engage parents in a really constructive way. There was certainly a lot more transparency, having kids do school from our living rooms and absolutely the, the channels of communication can be opened. I'm generally an optimistic person. The pandemic and remote schooling and the extent to which kids were out of school, cut off from their peers, the incredible learning loss, the incredible youth mental health pandemic. It's very hard for me to see glass is half full right now. So given that, and I was truly drawn to your language for Action for Healthy Kids, helping kids thrive. How can we engage families? How can we open those channels of communication? How can we build those school and family partnerships to help kids thrive? Yeah, well, let me just make sure I clarify something. Most of the experts that I know of consider the pandemic and what's called an ACE in the mental health world for kids, an adverse childhood experience. Mm -hmm. So I was not referring to the entire experience. Mm -hmm. The pandemic has been an incredible challenge for kids and their families. So I really was referring to the one aspect of potential, and I think it's potential and not real, potential family and caregiver and parent engagement that could arise from it if we, if we took the right steps. So I just wanted to make sure that I, I, I am really clear there uh, because I think that's important. Uh, 
you know, we at Action for Healthy Kids, just a little bit about the background of the organization to get to your question. We started 20 years ago. It is literally now our 20th anniversary at the end of this year. Uh, and we were started by the former Surgeon General of the United States. His name is Dr. David Satcher. So he was the 16th Surgeon General. And he literally wrote the report uh, and or, or released the report, I should say, calling obesity an epidemic in our country for the first time. And Dr. Satcher, he is one of my absolute heroes. Uh, and uh, when he left uh, office, he uh, decided the talk is cheap and something needed to be done about it and helped create Action for Healthy Kids, like I said, almost 20 years ago. We started as an advocacy organization. Uh, and so it was all about raising awareness of especially the physical health needs of kids around that obesity epidemic. So healthy eating and physical activity, which I know you're passionate about on your podcast, were the two cornerstones of Action for Healthy Kids work. And we've employed almost from the very beginning a model that we now call, we haven't always called it this, but we now call a family school partnership model that we think is critically important. There are so many great programs out there and wonderful curricula around uh, that schools can use to work with kids and make sure that they're uh, engaged in health activities at school. But the one piece that we think is exceptionally important is to make sure that parents, and sometimes as I say parents, when I say parents in this conversation, I really mean parents and caregivers and anyone who cares for a child. Uh, sometimes I use the shorthand of parents and I try to correct myself sometimes, uh, but anyone who cares for a child, we fundamentally believe that there needs to be a partnership between the school and parents and caregivers and families in order to foster real change. Because we know that kids spend part of their day in school and then they spend part of their day and their summer oftentimes out of school. And so that partnership between schools and families is, uh, is really critical. I'm struck by the fact that really the origins of Action for Healthy Kids was rooted in physical health and clearly has evolved. And I'd love to hear about the evolution over the 15 years since you took the helm and, and, and moving forward, what you see as, as the vision and goals changing. I'm a physical activity researcher and I do some work with the Daily Mile, which is an in-school physical activity intervention. And when I started out a recent research project with them, I really thought that it was a project focused on kids' physical health. And as I spoke with school leaders across the United States, I recognized the extent to which the project really needed to be reframed more as whole child health, physical, mental, and focus and concentration, because that's where the pain points are right now. As mentioned by teachers who are working closely with kids who are struggling with depression, stress, and anxiety, who are really struggling to focus and concentrate in class and trying to catch up from those, the, the year plus of, of learning loss. So I'd love to hear about the evolution over time from Dr. Satcher's focus on, on childhood obesity, which I'm, I, I'm sure has expanded and, and how you see moving forward and, and what that refocus might look like. 
Sure. Like I said, Action for Healthy Kids was created as an awareness building organization around physical health issues. I was brought into Action for Healthy Kids 15 years ago to pursue scale mm. and build programming to support schools, families, and kids. And over the years, I can't even describe how the organization and the issues we face have evolved. And you've done a nice job of setting it up. We've grown our reach at Action for Healthy Kids from a very, very small, narrowly focused organization. We now have more than 50,000 schools in our national network. We've got a network of over 100,000 what we call volunteers and champions. We're not a big organization when it comes to staff. So I like to say we're small but mighty because that network of folks who take the products of Action for Healthy Kids, who participate in our learning sessions, who get in, involved in coaching or a project with Action for Healthy Kids, or maybe even apply for one of our grants and then go into their local school and make a huge difference, that is just critical for us. So we've seen a dramatic change in just our organization we, as I was mentioning a moment ago, we recognize the importance of parents and other caregivers. So where we started as a school-based organization, you know, the engagement of parents and families have become, has become critical for Action for Healthy Kids. And then to your, your point, over the last 10 years and the last several years, especially social, emotional health and character development programming has become critical and so there's a framework in the school health space, uh, you probably know about it, called the Whole School, Whole Community, Whole Child Framework. It's created by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and uh, one of their partner organizations. And it is the most science-based, most evidence-based, best health framework for kids that exists. And that is at the core of what we do at Action for Healthy Kids. And so we now, where we started out, whereas we started out with physical activity and nutrition, uh, programming, we have now added uh, social emotional health programming uh, that we call at Action for Healthy Kids Connected. And in fact, we have just written our first curriculum specifically to connect all of these issues uh, with the purpose of supporting schools and families and ultimately, of course, students around social emotional health. Uh, so our connected curriculum, we're actually piloting it with uh, some of our school partners in this school year, and then look to really get it out there because we think there's an, uh, we're addressing a void in the market. You know, there's a place where some of the programming, some of the things where we're connecting physical activity and nutrition to social emotional health in ways that haven't been done before, we think we're going to meet a really nice need. So we're really excited about that. And what it all comes down to, uh, and again, I'm, I'm sure you realize this too, is there is a big need for much more investment in health equity in our country. The disparities in health, Dr. Satcher talked about them 20 years ago. They are as great today as they ever have been. So we as an organization are, are working to build deeper, longer term commitments in underserved communities. We've created a, what we call an equity index to make sure that we are uh, investing our resources in places that uh, really need them. And I want to say one thing and do a little bit of self-promotion here. We have a national conference that is about to take place in November um, from the 2nd to the 4th. Uh, our, first of the, our first national conference of this sort, uh, our national conference on child health and well-being, uh, especially since the pandemic hit, we have not gotten together uh, with our stakeholders in our 
communities. And so we are just thrilled about it. The focus of the conference is what we're calling real talk and real solutions. So it's a very practical oriented uh, convening. And we already have many of the nation's uh, school health and wellness leaders joining us for the event. It's uh, going to be really exciting and engaging. And there's still time to register for anyone who is interested. All you have to do is check out actionforhealthykids.org. It's right on our homepage. And we'd love to see as many people there as possible. It certainly seems to be a theme with your work that real talk, but not just talk and, and real action and putting tools and evidence-based programming into the hands of people who can implement them. My listeners, many of them are in the community space, may work in schools, may work in community-based organizations that support schools, may work in the health and fitness space. What action might they be able to take to partner with schools to help kids thrive? I believe fundamentally that every single person in our society has a role to play. I could tell you I'm one of the original, as a dad, I am one of the original volunteers of Action for Healthy Kids in the way that we currently run our organization. I, my, my oldest daughter was entering uh, our local school and realized that we didn't have a health and wellness program. And so I literally gathered some of the materials of Action for Healthy Kids, walked into my school building, met with the principal who was a health and fitness advocate and passionate about it himself and just hadn't had the resources or the support or the volunteer uh, support to begin a program. And together we started our health and uh, wellness programming in our local school district. I know that's a big ask for people. So if you can do that, that's wonderful. Otherwise it could be as simple as join the Action for Healthy Kids Network, get onto our website, and receive our messaging, we put out there the best of the best tools and resources that are available, not just our own, by the way. We have countless partner organizations and we're constantly promoting uh, the best evidence-based tools and resources. And so just taking some of those as an advocate that you were asking about earlier and walking into your school building or your school board meeting and asking questions, hey, how are we addressing the health and wellness needs of our kids from physical health to now, especially the mental health needs of our kids. Social emotional health could not be more important in the, uh, in the end of the pandemic here. It is as clear as day and schools need help. So there's just so much that can be done. And so you can walk into your school and do that. And if you really want to get involved, you can do something like what I did. You could get involved in your school health committee. Uh, because most schools have something like that. Most districts do too, or most are required by law to have one actually. There's just a, a wide range of things that people can get involved in. I say the key is do something. There are no more important issues. You and I have very similar origin stories. <laughs> I also have three kids. I have a boy and twin girls and I got involved in local physical activity advocacy because my kids were not getting enough physical activity in school. My son 
got a physical activity tracker for his birthday and he would come home and I would look at it. <laughs> I would be like, wow, you really didn't move very much today at all. And their school were urban school district, no gym, no cafeteria. They just weren't going outside. So I had individual meetings and then I ultimately I joined our district wellness committee as a parent volunteer. And I've been on it for seven or so years. And, and we worked for years and we, and we actually got a policy passed that supported more outdoor physical activity, including in school, out of school, recess. But implementation was so challenging and we just really weren't moving the dial. So it feels like schools need help to your point. They just don't have the, the time to, to try to implement. So the more we can put turnkey off the shelf, evidence-based programs and resources in their hands, the better. So, so I wanna ask you first about that. You're, you're clearly, you vet your programs, you're doing a pilot program, compiling the evidence. How do you get those tools and resources out to the people that we need them? I really believe, like most aspects of life, the key to change are finding the leaders and the advocates. Uh, and there are, as far as I could tell, they are in every school in America. I have not seen a school that doesn't understand, intellectually anyway, the importance of health and well-being for their kids. They know it. It is part and parcel of the people that we're hoping to and trying to develop in our schools. And our educators are absolutely positively aware of this. The real problem is it's an issue of priorities. It is stacked up against all these other issues that we have now lumped onto our schools. And so I think it's really important that we identify those school leaders who are passionate about health and well-being and uh, work with them to build school health teams. And you were talking about, uh, you know, that policy is one aspect and it is super important. And we spent a lot of time on policy because uh, although we do have programs at Action for Healthy Kids, we're a systemic organization. That's the approach we take. And so local wellness policies are incredibly important to us. It's the starting point. We analyze the heck out of those policies with our school partners. That's where the sustainability comes from. Uh, because as sad as it is, teachers and administrators come and go, sometimes too quickly. It is those policies and those systems and those environments that sustain the change that we really need. And so at my uh, what we do at Action for the Kids is we really hone in on building relationships with our school partners and especially the leading advocates in those schools to build. Ultimately, you can't rely on one person. That does not work <laughs> because, like I said, those, those people come and go. It just happens. We all do it, right? Uh, that's not a criticism at all. Once you find those leaders in your school, building a team around them, engaging classroom teachers, PE teachers, School food service is incredibly important. Uh, so it's all about building that school health team and starting with someone who's really passionate about the work. That's certainly been my experience at the local level, having champions who truly believe 
who are passionate and go and take it to other champions and grow the champion network. We're struggling here at the local level again, where because of learning loss, our district has done away with the second recess for our grade three through eight. And so parents are starting to get concerned and involved because you and I know so well the linkage between movement and activity and concentration and focus and even academic achievement. So it feels like we need to start climbing that hill again and, and bring our champions around us and, and roll out those and maybe dust off those policies. So how are you navigating the pandemic and, and perhaps moving out of the pandemic and, and looking forward to what you and I have always known to be critical, but is even more critical now today? We believe we are facing a child health crisis, the likes of which this country has not yet seen or never seen before. A couple of years ago, before the pandemic, or a few years ago now, I suppose, we were working on our new strategic plan. And so what we decided to do is take a step back and look at the data around child health issues as broadly as we possibly could and the best of the best research that we could find. And I'll tell you, I spent quite a few months doing that and it, it was both a very educational experience, and I work in this environment, and uh, there were some dark days. The issues facing kids today are staggering. You have to live under a rock not to know like some of the details, but I don't think as a society we put it all together just yet, because all the issues they're facing from obesity to bullying to substance use and misuse to, I mean, unfortunately, the worst of the worst, of course, is uh, suicidism, uh, which is seeing staggering increases in recent years, especially for our teenage populations. It's, it's off the charts alarming as we see it. And so we at Action for the Kids are really focusing on a few things. What we had learned through that experience of really delving deeply into the research is we came across what we consider to be the best of the best approach. It's not new and has been around for quite a while. The Harvard Center for the Developing Child has a series of research around the foundations of lifelong health, and there are three of them. It says that all children as they develop need appropriate nutrition, they need safe, supportive environments where they can play to your point, be physically active and develop safely. And that doesn't mean just like asbestos free. It means an environment where they are safe in all ways. And so this idea of the three foundations of lifelong health, that is what we at Action for Healthy Kids have adopted underneath our core framework. We are pursuing a life for every child that has those three foundations. And all of our programming and all of our work and all of what our wonderful staff does every single day is to pursue that for the kids in our network. Just as health isn't just the absence of sickness and illness, really to, to get kids to thrive, which is so core to your mission, 
there there needs to be yes clearly these foundations over time and i'm really struck by your point about you're a systemic organization champions are key to your success but it can't rest solely on champions because champions come and go and so as you look forward to sustainability for action for healthy kids and you look at your successes over the last number of years what are most important to sustainability to success and to getting kids to that point where they are truly thriving the only way i know to approach that issue is from a whole child perspective I, I have spent 15 years studying and experiencing this. I see no other way. All the issues that kids face are intertwined. You can't separate them out and say, oh, we're going to deal with the nutrition or the physical activity or make sure that they have a connection to a school nurse or make sure that they have mental health support. It is all those things. It's the only way to do it. And to the point we were making before, Underneath all of that, if there was a program or even a champion, to your point, that was going to solve this issue for us, we would have solved it decades ago because we have hundreds and thousands of programs. Some of them are extraordinary. Many of them are extraordinary. If we were going to solve this problem that we have, this crisis, I should say, with a program, we would have done it years ago. The key is what in our field is called policy system and environmental change. We need those policies all the way from the federal level to the local level to prioritize uh, child health. It's a human right. Health is a human right. We need our systems in schools and in our communities to support those policies and to help us execute them in the right way. And just as one example, it is a really, and I think it's a really good one. A lot of schools, many schools have school breakfast programs. It is a system in a school to make sure that a child doesn't walk into the school building without food in the morning. That is unacceptable. We need to build those systems in support of our policy ideals. And schools and districts need our help to do that. And by our help, I mean, they need the federal government to help they need states, they need local organizations and na or national organizations like Action for Healthy Kids to jump in and help them uh, pursue change. And then the final element of it, of course, is we need to build environments in our schools and communities that support health. In schools, we need to foster an environment that really focuses on those three foundations of lifelong health. If we could do that, we will change, or when we do that, we will change the trajectory of child health in this country. Until we do those things, we will continue down the same path. So we are so passionate at Action for Healthy Kids about fostering this kind of systemic change that we're talking about. Uh, and we will never stop <laughs> until we reach our goals. Great, well, thank you. Move to Live More podcast listeners. I'm here today with Rob Segley talking about environmental, systems, policy change for addressing whole child health. Rob, thank you so much for your time. It was my pleasure, Amy.
Thanks for listening to the Move to Live More podcast series. Be sure to click subscribe and check us out at movetolivemore.com. We'll see you next time.